Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. I'm joined once again by Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing? Doing great, Joe. How are you? Oh, I'm hanging in there. I'm. I'm. I, maybe this is like a Monday thing. I'm. I'm dried out finally. Uh, I think I said the same thing last week. Maybe. Uh, could. Yeah. Could really. Uh, would really be nice if the, we could stop having like torrential downpours on Mondays. That'd be cool. I, I was gonna say this is not a good day to be drying out on because <laughs> it's been wet all day long. It's kind of muggy. I don't know. We, we have not had great September weather. We've, we've talked about the weather a lot on this show. And it's because it's been such a, it really has affected the sports seasons. I mean, I, I, I don't know how else to say it. It's been kind of frustrating. I'm sure the players and coaches are frustrated. Oh yeah. I've, everybody I've talked to, uh, you know, I, I also, you know, cover a lot of field hockey, uh, field hockey coaches are very frustrated. Uh, I imagine, you know, especially with, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, there were a lot of frustrated football coaches as well. Yeah, uh, everybody's yeah. Uh, everybody's already here in that uh, that 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 grinding kind of agitated state already. So, uh, yeah. Well, and, and <laughs> the meet the folks like you in the media must be frustrated because the schedules are all over the place. You know, I yeah. know like I, I noticed that like the coverage has been weird the last couple of weeks. F L New Hampshire has had trouble covering things because, you know, the game goes to 9 a.m. or something. Right. I mean, it's just weird. Yeah, I, I've made, I made the executive decision this past weekend that I am not doing any more games that kick off before 11 a.m. I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, well, you can uh, you can send us uh, questions or feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at at Sports. You can listen to the show Tuesday mornings throughout the football season at nh-highschoolsports.com or wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify and Odyssey. And I'd just like to say, too, uh, we are looking uh, still for sponsors for the pod- podcasts for the fall. Uh, so if you are a fan of the show, uh, you know someone who you think would be a great fit for us to uh, to have them promote their business here, please you know, uh, mention it to them, or maybe you have a business that you'd like to promote, or you like the show so much you want to you want to help support it. Uh, please get in touch by sending an email to nhhighschoolsports uh, at gmail dot com. You know, or if you happen to see me at a game and you want to just yell at me from across the field, please do. Uh, any anything is uh, you know any way you can reach out to me is great. It's all fair game. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right. So uh, as we do uh, every show. Uh, during the season, we start out with a uh, with our picks for player and team of the week, and uh, I think uh, who, who went first last week? Did you go first last week? I go first. I think I, I, don't I, th- I, think I went first. Okay, last week. I'll go. I'll go first this week then, if that's all right with you. Yeah, go ahead. So for my player of the week, uh, I'm going with a guy. I, I think this is the case for both of us this this week. We've got guys who, uh, you know, their stats aren't you know maybe eye popping or anything, but. They played uh, key roles in, in a, a pair of victories this week. So I'm going with uh, Junior from Nashua North, uh, Luke Peters, who had like five or six enormous plays for the Titans in, in their 21-17 win uh, over Bishop Girton. Uh, you know, Peters had uh, two interceptions on defense, including the one at the end of the game uh, on, on you a know, fourth down play in, in the end zone that... Uh, you know, sealed the win for North. You know, ha- if if BG gets the the touchdown there, they go up with about a minute left. Um, you know, so Peters came up huge, and it was one play after uh, the Cardinals had run a very similar, or, or maybe even the same play to the same receiver. Uh, but the catch was made out of bounds. Peters got beat on that play. Catch was made out of bounds, so they you know came back, played it again. You know, he also had. Uh, a 65-yard kickoff return that set up another touchdown for North and then had a touchdown of his own on a 35-yard reception uh, on a, a play where he just sprinted past uh, the BG defense and, and went into the end zone alone, um, you know, made a couple of other big tackles uh, defensively, um, you know, and just, you know, funny coincidence, too, that it was his, his older brother Jack who caught the winning touchdown pass against in North's win over BG last year. Um, right. You know, so, so really uh, we were, you know, I, I was covering the game along with, uh, you know, Tom King from the telegraph and, and his joke. And afterwards like, Oh, 
And these BG people are probably thinking they got rid. They wait a minute, didn't that Peters kid graduate last year? Right. Uh, um, but uh, you know, the Luke Peters has a has a big game against them. Um, you know, like I said, just a handful of plays where he, you know he turned in big plays, uh, and was enough to to put North over the top. Yeah, I love when we can find these players. You know, it's 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 really easy to 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 pick the you know, the running back with 237 yards and four touchdowns on, you know, 19 carries or something, right? Like th- those ones are easy. I love when we find these performances that are sort of more multifaceted and, you know, it might've been, uh, you know, an interception, a fumble recovery and one big kickoff return that got the ball into great territory. But, you know, I'm just using those things as an example sure uh of a type of performance right but when you find those performances in a close game and it really put a team in great position to win when you add all those things up um i love when we're able to find those performances not not that the back who gets 237 (laughs) yards isn't a great one either but (laughs) (laughs) uh well that kind of i think that's a good segue into uh to your player of the week uh who did you pick yeah i had a similar one you know i kind of i kind of scoured around this afternoon looking for one um, that really stuck out to me. And, and I was, I was looking for that type of a thing, um, you know, cause there's, there's stats everywhere and all this type of stuff. But the thing that really struck out to me was, you know, uh, Bo, by the way, who, who got a big win over Guilford Belmont uh, this week, had a lot of good performances, great job in the rushing game, very good defensively uh, against a, a, a golden Eagles team that I think we both know is, is pretty good and we've talked about them a little bit on the last couple of shows, but um, really, I think the, the person I want to, I want to highlight from that game and, and in the state this week was Jared Dolder, um, who is the kicker for Bo. Um, he hit two field goals, a 24 yarder and a 34 yarder uh-huh. um, hit all his PATs and uh, had two kickoffs that went into the end zone for touchbacks. And in a, in a tight game, Right. I think it was what was it, it was 34 21. Yeah. I mean, that matters. Right. Yeah. The you take away the two field goals. It's, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's one score. 21, yeah. Right. And then if you take one of those boots that didn't go through the end zone. Right. If you had good field position from a, a mediocre kick on just one of those two boots. Maybe Guilford put something together, you know, so to me, I thought that was that was a that was what I wanted to point out because special teams really is so important. Um, and when you have a, a kicker that can be that kind of a weapon, um, it's a big deal. And it's a big deal for Bo because after kind of a rough start out of the gate, they got a quality win this weekend. Yeah. They, we were talking about, you know, you know, with, with Milford coming up this week, who is having some struggles of their own uh, to start the year, you know, Bo could have been looking at zero and three, maybe even zero and four instead one and two with a chance to really turn their season around next week. And, you know, I, I like, I like the pick of, of Jared. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure someone listening will say, Oh, how do you pick the kicker? But, but, you know, getting to, to, I, you know, I get to see Jared uh, as an athlete uh, last winter doing the season with, with the bow wrestling team. Um, you know, and he was, uh, you know, quiet, tough, tough kid, uh, you know, who, uh, you know, gave it his all. I thought every time he went out there. So, I'm sure he's more than just a kicker for for the Bow Falcons. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. He probably has other duties that he performs, but uh, got it done with his leg this week, and that's a great thing. Yeah. All right, well let's uh, let's move on our, our teams of the week. Uh, this week, I decided to go with uh, Interlakes Moultonboro, which pulled off. Uh, I, I you know I would call an upset. Um, you know they they beat Manadnock seventeen to three at Manadnock. Uh, you know, in a game that, um, as it, you know, like this low scoring game, um, you know, and, and Manadnock's been a team that's been right there in division three with, with Campbell and Trinity, you know, I don't think they have many losses over the last couple of years to the, to, to any team aside from those two. Uh, so for Interlakes Moultonboro to go on the road and get a win like that, uh, you know, to, in, in, uh, what could come down to being uh, a playoff spot or maybe even a you know a determining a seed there you know they start out the game with with touchdowns on their first two possessions to go up 14 nothing and then just you know they they did played enough on defense they held Manadnock to 143 yards total 
uh, on the night, which is a, a pretty big feat for a Manhattan team that's, you know, known for running the ball all over people. Yes. Yeah, that that is a big deal. Yeah. So, I think the other thing, too, that's that's big on that one, Joe, is that Interlakes was, you know, out of the gate with a one in one record in a in a pretty decisive loss to Trinity last week. Sure. Yeah. You know, they were shut out 42 to nothing. So, you know, to rebound against a really good Monadnock team, because uh, this is this was Monadnock's first stumble, right? Monadnock had won close ones against Fall Mountain and Stevens. Yeah, I think two games they'd had to, or uh, Fall Mountain, they had to come back late in that one. And then, yeah, the Stevens one, they, they win 14 nothing. So, yeah, two close games for Monadnock and an, another close one that just goes their other way for them. Right. And then, and then, and then you're, I mean, the interlake schedule to start the season, Stevens, Trinity, Monadnock, and up this coming week, Campbell. So, <laughs> I mean, so every one of these games matters to interlakes and to, to get that, like you said, sort of quasi upset, if you want to call it that. But I, I think that's fair. Um, I, I think we both picked Monadnock in our I think, pick. Yeah, I think you're right. So I guess we have to concede it was an upset. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and then, and, and, you know, that game, that game this week against Campbell is, um, Looks like Manat or Interlakes is bringing in lights for that game. It's on the schedule yeah. as a Friday night seven o'clock game. Yeah. So uh, they they're you know maybe hoping for that gives them a little extra juice. Uh, I think it would be a tall task for them to uh, hand uh, Campbell a loss, but it should be interesting one. But yeah, I mean that that puts them in good position though. You know, instead of being one and three potentially after that Campbell game, they're looking at maybe two and two. Uh, or maybe even three and one if, if you know, they're, they're able to pull off another upset. Um, right. You know, and and with, I mean, the tough part of their yeah, schedule. Exactly. Yeah. To, yeah. All right. Who did you have for your uh, team of the week? So I, my team of the week, I picked a team that beat your team of the week a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> or, or that, well, yeah. So, so and, it, and it's kind of an obvious one maybe, right? But it, it's like I said, kind of, kind of the same idea when I picked Eli Bahuma um week one where it's like hey he's got to be mentioned on our podcast sometime this season i kind of feel sure. the same way team um and so so i went with pelham yeah right I, they got a big win this week over a team that had a ton of momentum uh that being uh the the john stark generals and it wasn't just a win i mean it was they, they got a decisive win um and 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 did it in a decisive way uh, you know i mean the defense held John Starks um, has a really good rushing offense. You and I have seen it live. Um, we know they can move the ball on the ground. Pelham held John Starks rushing game to negative 21 rushing yards. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and just 63 yards. So the, they, they held them to a total of, I can't do math really quick, but it was like, it's like 44 total offensive yards or something like that. 42 yards. Wow. So um, I think that's a big performance against a John Stark team that, you know, again, may not quite be there, obviously, right now uh, in terms of this game, right? This game was a big measuring stick for them, but it's still a quality team with with a couple of really good wins under their belt. And this was just decisive. They did it on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, Dom Hurling had a huge night again, 140 rushing yards, four touchdowns. They win it 48 to nothing. They And, and you know, it's 33 wins in a row. How do you not say? Um, how do you not say that? Impressive at this. Yeah, that's that's crazy. 33 in yeah. a row. Yeah, you look at John Stark had scored 30 points in each of its first two games, and they come away with with nothing against Pelham. They'd also given up uh, 49 points in their first two games. And they give up 48 in this one. Right. Yeah. I mean, so that that's a that's a. You know, you and I always talk each year about how by the time you get to like week three, week four, you really start to get the picture because you've got enough data now and teams that have tested each other and common opponents and stuff. This this one, I think, was a measuring stick for just how good Pelham still is. Um, they're obviously very, very good. You know, the, the way this is lining up, um, you know, I'm sure... Uh, actually, I'm not going to finish that thought because because uh, it, it'll probably be best saved for later. And now I'm not now that I look at the schedule, I'm not even sure it's going to hold up. So never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we'll table that for now. Right. <laughs> yes, we'll table whatever I was going to say. Um, 
you know, so all right, so let's uh, let's move on because um, I want to go back to uh, that BG. I want to start with the BG North game because that's uh, I think in the running now. Um, even though you know, like you said, it's it's we're done three weeks, um, so it still feels early, but it's also not early. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna right now we're gonna we're gonna uh, bookmark that game as a potential game of the year. Uh, because the way it came down in that fourth quarter, um, you know, it, it was it was back and forth, highly competitive. You know, e- each team taking shots at each other in the second half uh, after a first half that really, you know, it was seven seven at halftime. But BG could have been up much more, or could have been up at all in that in that first half. They turned the ball over four times right. in the first half. Uh, one of them was, you know, inside the North Ten. Um, and a lot of that, the turnovers were caused because of the pressure that North was able to get on, on BG quarterback, uh, Mike McDonough, you know, two yeah. of the interceptions that he threw, uh, were balls that came out funny because he got hit as he was throwing. Um, there was another one where it was a fumble, uh, and you know, and part of the reason that North wasn't able to capitalize more was because they had two turnovers of their own, including, a, a you know, an interception thrown by, uh, John Canaway in, inside the red zone. Right. You know, so, uh, you know, really back and forth game. And, you know, I, I wanted to I, – I started thinking about this too. Like we mentioned last year's game, um, you know, that was back and forth as well. Going back, thinking that, you know, these two programs have only played each other for like the last 10 years, right? Because North didn't exist uh, until 2000, what, I think four or five. And then BG was in Division Two, So when they right. moved, both moved up to Division One. Um, you know, in 2013 was the first time they played each other. And right. if you remember that year, BG was cruising, looked like a playoff team, and North was struggling. And the next to last week of the season, North goes and knocks off BG 14-7 in a game that essentially knocked BG out of the playoffs. Right. Uh, very first time they'd ever played each other. You know, then you go the next two years, and BG gets big wins over North. Then the following year, 2016, Listen to these scores. They played each other the last game of the regular season and then the first round of the playoffs, back-to-back weeks. North won both games. Here are the scores for those games. 67-36 to 36 <laughs> and 64-41. to 41. You know, it's funny. I remember those scena- the scenario. Yeah, yeah. I didn't remember the score. Because going, the- going into that regular season game, whoever won that game was going to win the conference that year and host the, play- host the playoff game. Right. Uh, and I don't think, I think if BG had won, it might not have been North that they were playing. But because North, the way it lined up, North won and, and ended up playing BG. I don't think I was at the playoff game, but I know I was at the regular season game. And it was like a track meet. Yeah. Um, then the following year, North wins 49-45. And I couldn't find any uh, any info on that, that game. But looking back at records, BG was a one-win team that year. So they they put up really yes they put up forty-five points, uh, and uh, and almost beat a North team that I think might have been a playoff team that year. I'm not sure. Yeah. The next two years, um, or next couple of years, North wins handedly, including 2020. You know when when they had Curtis Harris Lopez and they win the championship. North actually beat BG twice that year. Then 2021 was a crazy finish. Uh, BG won 26-25, uh, but they were up, I want to say, by like two touchdowns with like four minutes left. And North scored, got a recovered a kickoff that, that BG just let bounce like at the 20-yard line and sit there. Yeah, like they thought it was a yeah, punt. Yeah, like they thought it was a dead ball. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, and I, I forget exactly how it happened, but I think like the North kick or yeah, North kicker like missed the extra point on the second touchdown. And that's how BG held on. And then, of course, last year's game, you had a crazy finish with, um, you know, with the punt that got, you know, that, that wasn't because the ball it was ruled down at like the 10 yard line. North ends up scoring to put that game away. 35 28 and then of course this year's back and forth game this th- i guess this is my long way of saying this has been a, a cra- i mean you'd expect it to be a rivalry and to be crazy but it has been the everything and beyond uh 
you know, over the years between these two teams. I, and I'm, I, it's fantastic. These are the kind of things that you love about high school sports, I think. Yeah, I, as you were saying all that, a, not all of them, but a, a number of those instances came to mind, right? In other words, I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. Oh, yeah, that was. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, and, and that's exactly what what was kind of coming to my mind as you were saying it all was like, yeah, that that's the makings of a really interesting rivalry. And, and you know, it's not it doesn't get talked about because the natural rivalry is north south, obviously. Right. Right. Or but, or even BG South. Right. Or BG South. But honestly, the 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 history is actually more in favor if you're talking about like a Nashua area rivalry of this of this North BG uh, conflict that's gone on over the last decade because there's there's been so many interesting stories that have come out of it. Yeah, so this this year's game was was less bananas, but only because uh, the previous two have been bananas. Right. <laughs> uh, right. And I, yeah. I got to take a look at that game. You were there live, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, right? I was. Yeah, I was there Saturday. It was. Yeah, like I said, it was one of the best games. I mean, it, it, I haven't seen a ton of games this year, but especially not close ones, but. I, I will say that it's it's one of the best games. It'll be one of the best games of the year when we're all said and done. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought so too. And I thought, you know, it's interesting. You come away with some impressions of the teams. You know, I've seen North twice now, uh, thanks to streaming and, and things like that. And North to me is a very, is kind of a different team than they've been the last couple of years. They seem very workmanlike. You know, not not going to be like an explosive game breaker type of team, but they're just solid across the board. I mean, obviously they have guys like um, your player of the week that, that, that have the ability to do those things. But to me, North's strength is that they're just sort of solid across the board. Um, and, and I kind of like that, you know, that there's, there's something cool about watching just great team football. Um, and that's sort of what I've seen them play the last couple the last couple of times that I've seen them BG's interesting because you know new coach over there uh, new system I think they've got some really talented players on offense it seems to me like they're still kind of trying to find an identity um they obviously have an outstanding quarterback who they're not afraid to use no uh, their passing game is uh I mean it's not quite where it was you know maybe like eight years ago um, where they had some really talented kids um, that were in that passing attack, but it is—it's got to be one of the better ones in the state, I, I would think. You know, they've got—they've got, they've got le- a legit four or five uh, rec- guys who are, can be solid receivers and and go go up and get the ball with yeah. size, and and a couple guys with some some breakaway speed. Right. It's just a matter of, you know, they're they're all they're replacing all five starters on the offensive line. And right. some of them are younger guys, you know, sophomores that are trying to step in. Right. So can they protect regularly? Yeah, yeah. That was the question. Well, one of the questions uh, in this game, right? Was, yeah. And last, yeah. That game, they, they, they were okay. At times they were, but uh, at other times, no. Right. Uh, yeah. I, but I, I, I think both teams, you know, Nashua's identity seems to sort of be that workmanlike, you know, solid football across the board. Um, BGs, uh, at least by my impressions, kind of still looking for that identity, right? Like, you know, they're good. You know, they have talent. You know where their strengths and weaknesses are. I think it it seems like they're still trying to put something together because my impression is that when they do, they're going to be very dangerous. And whether that's this week or or what have you, but when things really start to click for Girton um, and and it comes together, they're definitely going to be a team to watch because I I was pretty impressed with them just sort of position by position this past week. Yeah. Uh, I got to see one other uh, D1 game live um, actually on Thursday of last week, although as of right now, I mean, that feels like a month ago. <laughs> but yeah. It was, it was just last Thursday where, uh, you know, Salem went up to Concord and played uh, one of the best halves of football I maybe have ever seen an offense play uh, in the second half of that game to get a 28-14 win over Concord. Um He'll be writing something like a follow-up uh, for actually for both of these games a little later on the site. Um, but I, I had, by my count, um, Concord only had the ball had the ball for less than five minutes in the second half of that game. Uh, Salem just went up and down the field very methodically, put some long touchdown drives together. 
they've got, you know, they're another one, not the biggest team, but they got a lot of push up front. And they've got like six or seven guys that can run with the ball, which which really helped out, you know, down the stretch. You know, as some guys were getting tired, they were able to mix in different runners and just keep pounding away at Concord. Yeah, you know what's scary if you're in Division One right now is, you know, after a down year where they were young last year, this Salem team is built a lot like some of the Salem teams we saw in the previous two or three years that were very, very good. Um, You know, like you said, sort of solid defense, but a stable of running backs that can get things done in different ways, right? Whether that's kind of hitting quick up the middle or, you know, great speed to the outside on those kind of, you know, rocket toss, you know, jet sweep type plays that they like to run. Um, They have a varied attack because they have a lot of talent in their offensive backfield. Um, And and to me, that's kind of like what they were, they were built around in those years where they were very good um, over the past, over the past, whatever you want to call it, five years or so. Right. I will say the one thing that's a little bit different. Um, some of those other teams had a guy like you know you look at like an uh, Aiden McDonald or or uh, Josh Sabanda from from years ago who had that like big play breakaway capability. Like you know the, you know McDonald like there were times he'd get the ball and you could just tell he's about to go for like eighty five yards. Yeah, he uh, was like a he was like a track star yeah. type kid, right? I'm, just I'm had not, that <laughs> I'm not so sure that Salem has that kind of breakaway. Uh, capabilities. I mean, they've they've got a guy. Um, was it Kevin Tedisco who, uh, you know, who's got the size and looks like he has some of the speed, but but you know he uh, and he runs pretty hard. But I'm not sure he's got that kind of speed. Right. Um, but certainly, you're right. They do have they do have a bunch of guys that are are certainly capable of uh, of being the guy if they need to be. Yeah. Well, it sounds like they got a big play on defense from. Kalen Smith too, right? I mean, kind of huge got play. that. Yeah, you know, it was a it was a game in contention. Get a big interception. What was it in the kind of the beginning, middle ish of the third quarter? Yeah, um, that early, like early <laughs> middle part of the third quarter, um, where yeah. you know they just gotten stopped inside the the twenty five. Uh, but on the and then on the first play, Concord throws the interception and. Um, you know that really swung momentum quite a bit. Sal- bit Salem goes in and scores, and that's kind of, you know, Concord went three and out on its next two possessions, and 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 couldn't get their defense could not get off the field. Right. You know, we got to hit the elephant in the room a little bit here, Joe. Um, I know it was a, a a tough tough thing to watch, but you know, seeing Eli Bahuma go down in the first half with yeah. what you know seems to have been a, a knee injury of some sort. Um, man, what a loss to New Hampshire football that would be because, you know, again, we've talked about him for two seasons now and regardless of whether you root for Concord or whether you, you know, whether you're a rival with Concord or whatever, you got to know that, you know, if if he is indeed hurt for a period of time, um, that's not great for New Hampshire football, right? That's a guy. No, definitely not. He, he, uh, you know, when he was having a pretty good game, I think I had him for about 69 yards in the first half of that game. Uh, he got hurt like, the, you know, one of the last plays of the first half and was really kind of a, you know, if it's, you know, the, the most recent update, uh, you know, Roger Brown had on New Hampshire football report earlier Monday that he was going for an MRI. So they still didn't have a diagnosis yet, um, you know, but I, if he did have any kind of a, a severe knee injury, it wasn't your typical kind of injury. So maybe that's. Maybe the same, you know, because a lot of times you see guys go down, they're untouched, they're trying to make a cut in the middle of the field, right, and just turn the wrong way. This was, uh, you know, he was trying to pick up yards. He had like three guys hanging on him, and they're just trying to get him down. And he just kind of ended up at the bottom of a pile and went down like awkwardly, uh, you know, and, and it wasn't like, you know, he was down there screaming and yelling, you know, in pain. He just like, was laying there and was like, as these guys are getting off him, he's just like, uh, yeah, I think I might need some help. <laughs> yeah. You know, it like, it didn't really look like it was that bad until, you know, he needed help off the field. Yeah. Um, so yeah, would, that would be really terrible for, for New Hampshire football if he's unable to come back and, and hopefully hope that he is able to, uh, and he just, he really, 
you know they've got they've got some good other good offensive players on that that team um, I think so too yeah you know it just it, he just makes a difference because you have to key on him so much that it just gives other guys room to operate right uh, yeah, you know it's funny we don't often talk about other news outlets and things like that but uh, I, I thought the article in the Concord Monitor was kind of interesting. I mean, the headline was kind of like, you know, demoralized and despondent. Concord drops opener, right? And I'm like, yeah, I can see how you might be a little upset that, you know, you didn't pull this game out and that maybe your star player is banged up, um, you know, maybe seriously even. But, you know, it's it's not like Concord, uh, you know, their their first loss was against Londonderry, for God's sake, right? I mean... Right. You can't look at that and be like, oh, well, your season's over. You lost to, you know, you lost to Londonderry. You lost to Concord. You know, boy, oh, boy, you know, time to start hanging our heads. I mean, two very high-quality programs. And and kind of what I was getting at with you on, on Eli Bohuma's injury was, did you get a sense that that, you know, because it was really was a tale of two halves there. Did you get a sense that that sort of deflated conquered emotionally a little bit because i've i've definitely been i've been on the sidelines as a coach when that's happened to other teams i've it's certainly happened to me in the past where you know a key guy gets injured and it's just no matter what you try to do it's hard to turn 16 17 year old kids emotions back to the game when they're more thinking about their friend and their teammate who's banged up did you get a sense that maybe they they sort of popped a bubble a little bit there or yeah it it didn't feel like it like you know the, the the you know there wasn't a ton of the the team brought most of the energy there the crowd was kind of quiet for most of the game yeah um you know that i didn't really notice anything that different from the team um you know i think they just if there was anything that that kind of deflated that balloon was just the fact that they couldn't get the defense off the field right uh, yeah that'll do it too right you know, like it was just <laughs> um yeah it would probably be a good idea to get the numbers i had written down in front of me huh um, cause I had what, it, I mean, it wasn't just like, you know, that, that Salem was making big plays. They were, um, you know, they were, they were getting enough yardage on first and second down to put themselves in short third down situation situations. I had them seven of 11 on third downs and two of four on fourth down. Yeah. Like, they, like that's just, that's crazy. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, that it was, I think it might have been, I mean, maybe it was a combination of things too, but, but it, it felt to me like it was more that they, that they couldn't get the defense off the field. Yeah, no, that'll do it too. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a legit, that's a legit point. Um, and, and says a lot about what you said earlier about Salem's offense this year, right? That they've, they've got enough people to kind of spread it around and, and work the ball down the field. Uh, you know, there was a uh, one other uh, or any other thoughts on that game before we uh, we move on to. No, I mean, not, not to get too far ahead, but just to say, you know, I, I again, I don't know that I necessarily agree with the Concord Monitor's take on the Crimson Tides position this season. Right. I mean, they, they, they're going into play Manchester Central this coming week. And I think that's a big opportunity. Right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it should be interesting to see how it plays out. But the, the season isn't over for them. They they've got no. winnable games, you know, still to come. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the other close game uh that that I, you know, I was actually a little surprised by was um that Portsmouth Oyster River and Dover game on Friday night that Ports uh Portsmouth uh, was able to pull out 24 to 22 by holding off Dover late. Uh, I honestly, I thought going into this that Dover, or excuse me, that Portsmouth would win by a couple of touchdowns. Uh, so I was, uh, you know, encouraged about Dover to see that they were able, that they were in this one up until the end. Um, you know, but, but a nice job from, it sounds like it was a great game, uh, you know, and that both sides competed well, just, you know, from what I was able to read, didn't have a chance to watch that one. I know our, uh, our friends at FNL were there. Yeah, I did not have a chance to look at it either, and and uh, and and I, I actually had it on my sort of to do list to get that done, and it just <laughs> sure. yeah, it just it just sort of sort of fell off. We had some things to do in the yard, unfortunately, this week in terms of closing summer stuff out and all that. But uh, yeah, I, but I, I understand what you're saying, though. It's not that's not to take anything away from Dover, but you know, I think it was last week. 
it might have even been me. I, I said, you know, you're almost going to put Portsmouth Oyster River up there in that top four or five that we've been talking about in Division One, right? With the Bedford and Londonderry and Pinkerton, um, et cetera, right? Right. And and you know, Dover's been good the last couple seasons, but they've been young and they've been sort of, you know, they've they've been up and down a little bit. So I, I'm with you. I didn't expect it to be a an extremely close game. Um, so that says some interesting things for the Green Wave. Yeah, I mean, they they had had, you know, they they'd only played about a game and a quarter because um, that San, game against Sanford was suspended, uh, I think, midway through the second quarter, and they didn't finish it. Um, so really, all we were going off of was a their their opening win against Winnicott, which, you know, has has struggled in weeks uh, since that game. Um, so I mean that yeah that was all I was going off of, but um, yeah it sounded like they got a great performance from uh, from Ryder Auburn uh, at quarterback, uh, you know leaving a late leading a late touchdown drive, and then on the other end, uh, Aiden Thomas for Portsmouth comes up with a big play uh, to kind of seal that win. Um, you know, for Portsmouth. Right. Um, you know, and this, uh, this week coming up, um, I, I, this is one of the more interesting weeks I feel like throughout the regular season in division one. Cause you, you it's kind of like it, or I shouldn't say it's kind of like it is rivalry week. Uh, right. You've got, uh, Londonderry Pinkerton and the Mac plaque, uh, on yep. Friday, North South battle of the bridge, Dover Spalding in, in, what the game the the state's oldest rivalry i think goes back like a hundred something years yep it e- is exeter winniconnet merrimack bishop girton uh gosstown bedford salem and Wyndham. just a a, a ton those of are all the games right yeah, those are all yep. like the the key you know some of those rivalries like we said are, are older than uh either you and i uh yep. and then you've got some newer ones like gosstown bedford and, and salem Wyndham that you know uh, Gosstown and Bedford, two uh, two neighboring towns that that have had a lot of battles and a lot of sports over the last ten years, and you know Wyndham, you know, used to be part of Salem High School, and that's uh, kind of the the new school versus old school kind of matchup there. Yeah. Which, which Wyndham got a win in in that game last year? Right. Uh, so just yeah. almost too many games to keep track of. I, I'm I there's like it's one of those weeks where I wish that I had six of me. To, to just go around the state. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the only that's the only uh, unfortunate part about having all the rivalry games in one week. I I, I do think it's cool, by the way. Uh, I'm not saying oh I wish they would change it, but I also do think it's tough because there's so many of those games that have, like you said, like rich history. Um, a lot of times, just a lot of good back and forth battles or like we've highlighted on the show in the years past, a lot of upsets in those games, like things that you don't expect to happen while they end up happening. Um, And you can't, you can't get to them all, you know, and you'd love to see them all. I mean, you know, the nice thing is the streaming helps. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You know, you do get to see a little bit more, but there's nothing quite like seeing one of those games live. Well, the fortunate thing uh, in some cases here is that that some of these games are going to be played on Saturday. Uh, you know, Exeter, Winniconnet, and Salem Wyndham are both one o'clock kickoffs on Saturday, and then of course uh, BG is hosting Merrimack, so that's a six o'clock kickoff on Saturday. So, if you're right. going out to to check take in some of these games between those those two times and then Friday night, you've got an opportunity to see um, you know to see three of these games live. I I'll tell you, I I the one I I'm anticipating most of the, or all of these. The Mac Plaque game, I am really looking forward to because uh, just the starts that Pinkerton and Londonderry have gotten off to, um, you know, you could make the argument that they are your, you know, top two teams in the division right or in the state right now. Uh, you know, no, no offense to, to Bedford or, or Portsmouth or Salem um, or Exeter, uh, but you know, I I think that's going to be. We might see uh, both of those teams come out in the following week and have a slow week because they just beat each other up on Friday. You know, I, I had exactly the same thought about Pinkerton and Londonderry. Um, you know, and it's been a while since we've you've really felt that way. You know, I mean, they've obviously both been very good over the past couple of years, but th- there's there's definitely been sort of a 
a one a and one b feel to it right like like last year pinkerton was very good but you could you could just kind of tell from watching both teams like londonderry probably has the edge in that game right and they did right the the i think did they play him twice last year i believe so yes in the playoffs too right you know and 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 really honestly that's how i felt right but this year you know i i really couldn't tell you it's kind of like Londonderry is obviously excellent. Um, Pinkerton, who I, I've I've had a chance to do a lot of research on, and I've seen some of your video and stuff. Like, they're really good. I mean, they almost look better than they looked last year, even with the right. you know, some of the folks that they lost to graduation and stuff. But they've they've reloaded um, in an amazingly effective way. So yeah, this that to me strikes as a very very big game in Division One against two excellent New Hampshire football teams. Uh, I can't can't wait to see what happens and can't wait to, to talk about it next week, too. Right. Um, now, I think uh, we should probably move on um, to Division Two because we've got a few things to talk about there as well. Yeah. Uh, you already mentioned, uh, you know, Pelham uh, and its big win over John Stark, moving to 3-0. and uh, Sauhegan also uh, doing the same. Big win over Manchester West, going to 3-0. and both teams undefeated, unscored upon, putting up tons of points. Um, you know, and, and I guess maybe the only difference at this point is is looking at this week's schedule. Uh, Sauhegan has uh, what you could say is maybe its first real big test of the year uh, going to play at Timberlane on Friday night. Right, uh, and in a then, game that doesn't count, unfortunately. A game, game but... that doesn't count in the standings, but... <clears throat> I'm sure it it'll um, that's not going to affect uh, either side. I, I you know for Sauhegan, it's the opportunity to knock off a Division One team, and for Timberlane, it's an opportunity to uh, not only bounce back from a big loss to, to Pinkerton last week, but to you know not uh, be the the D one team that loses to a, a D two team. Right, exactly. You want to kind of defend if you're in in Timberlane's position, you want to defend the honor of of uh you know, the division one portfolio. Right. And if you're Sauhegan, you get to prove that like, yeah, we're not just a good team down here beating up division two. We're a good team period. Um, so there's a lot of motivation in those type of crossovers, especially when it's two quality teams like that would be, um, you know, it's funny. I know you were at the Sauhegan game. This Sauhegan team reminds me a lot of, was it 2020? They won the championship against right, yeah, Plymouth. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of that team because their defense is really good this year. Not that their defense hasn't been good over the past three years, but their defense has really made a mark again this year. And, uh, you know, again, it's it's so stereotypical. You think Sauhegan, you think offense, you think, you know, passing game, great quarterbacks, great running backs. But you got you got to give it up for the defense over there in Amherst because um, they, they're they're incredible. Um, yeah, they they certainly their bigger playmakers are are on offense, but yeah, they are very uh, very workmanlike on defense, very uh, you know active and all over the place. Um, and they'll you know that I think Timberlane's going to give them a pretty good test. Yeah, you know just just that from that physical standpoint, um, you know, and and going over there too, you know, I don't think outside of the twenty twenty season, I don't think these programs have ever played each other before. Right, and, and I think that year Sauhegan did go to Timberlane. Uh, yes, it was at Timberlane. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, but but it was you know, twenty twenty when no one was in the stands except you know your parents. Right. Um. So uh, Timberlane is a is a sneaky good atmosphere for for a Friday night football game. They fill that place. Um. You know. Oh, and, definitely. And it's and it's the kind of place like it can kind of sneak up on you too. Um. You know, I've, I've said it a lot on the, the lacrosse podcast when we've talked about Timberlane. Their field is uh, is not one of the best um, in the state. That's probably the nicest thing I could say about it. You know, so that could be a, an advantage there. Try to, you know, Sauhegan could uh, have a tough going on that, uh, you know, lose a little bit of its edge on the speed game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really anticipating that <clears throat> game. Well- uh well, and yeah, and it's fair turnaround for Sauhegan too, because you know, honestly, having been there for the four or five years that I was there, Sauhegan's fan section is 
traditionally awesome. I mean, I remember my first year coaching there and just, you could feel the crowd behind you. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, the, 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 the student body and the power of that. Right. And like, so they're used to that support at home and they're used to that great field that they put in, in 2016 at home. Yeah. Now you got to go over it. It's more of a traditional New Hampshire type field, right. Which is not a perfect <laughs> field. Um, and, and I think the Timberlane home crowd is one of the best in New Hampshire. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so now they're, they're sort of fighting against that as opposed to having it at your back and having them have your back, so to speak. So yeah, it'll be a little bit of a different atmosphere for the Sabres. So it should be interesting. It's a six thirty kickoff. I'm already planning on getting there at five thirty. Uh, I made the mistake last year of showing up at six and, uh, even getting there that early, I had the park on the other side of the school. Oh wow! Uh, so I will uh, I will be planning to get there even earlier this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but yeah, really looking forward to that one. And, and you know, you look the other side, and uh, Pelham, you know, has uh, a stretch that um, I guess I guess Sauhegan kind of went through to start the year. They they've got Hollis, Brookline, and Hillsborough Deering over the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. You know, before they hit their bye, I, it doesn't look like Pelham has a, a, a game scheduled for their bye week, but. Um, you know, a couple games there before until they they get a week off. You know that should be uh, you know kind of more of the same. I would I would assume. Uh, you know, while while Sauhegan has a stretch, they they got Timberlane, then they're home to Plymouth, and they're at Hanover over the next three weeks. Right. Uh, you know, there was uh, well, speaking of Hanover, um, you know, they bounced back from that loss to to John Stark with uh with a pretty uh, uh, emphatic win over uh, over Milford, 35-6. to A uh, couple touchdowns there for David Rochette and Jeff Vidu. Roger Lucas with an interception return for a touchdown. 70 uh, yards. Yeah, yeah. Really um, kind of a maybe not a must-win game for Hanover, but certainly a, a huge win to, to get them to 2-1. and one. You know, does make a big difference from 1-2, and two, especially when you still have to play you know, Sauhegan and Pelham, um, you know, what other, they've also, uh, oh, looking at the wrong schedule there, they they still have a crossover with Guilford Belmont, you know, yep. so a couple tough games still left on the Hanover schedule, so so that was a huge win to get for uh, for the Bears. Yeah, and maybe not a must win for, for Hanover, but kind of hard to argue that it wasn't must win for Milford. Yeah. Uh, coming out of the gate, zero three for the Spartans. The Milford Spartans is almost unheard of, um, you know. And, and and they're a young team this year. They're taking their lumps a little bit, I think. Uh, maybe maybe unexpectedly, maybe expectedly. I don't know. But that puts that puts Milford in a hole. Now, the difference with Milford is Milford has Milford has lost two quality teams, right? They they had to face Sauhegan. They faced a, a what we talked about earlier, a pretty good John Stark team. Um, so. So Milford has some opportunity potentially in their in their uh, schedule coming up, but I think that was a huge win for Hanover. I mean, how could it not be? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and I, I guess I'll follow up my thought that I had earlier um, that I you know I skipped over. You know, just is it possible? You know that that you end up with maybe I, I think last year there were only three teams from the West that ended up making the playoffs: Pelham, Sauhegan, and, and Hanover. You know, is that is that potentially the case again this year? But then I thought about it. I was like, it, Hanover and Stark are going to have, you know, too many games against some of these teams where they should be favored, and and you never know. Milford turns it around and gets back into it. Um, you know, and then you look at the East, <clears throat> and you know, I think outside of maybe Kennett and and Plymouth, you know, who are both three and zero right now. Of course, you got St. Thomas at two and one. Um, but everybody else is kind of beaten up on everybody else. You know, Bo loses to Sanborn, and then Sanborn loses to Guilford, and now Guilford loses to Bo. And, you know, Laconi is coming back and beating Merrimack Valley and then giving Kennett a game. And, uh, you know, Pembroke just got a big win this past week. You know, and, and their, their two losses were against Plymouth and Kennett. So they've got, you know, their schedule gets a little bit lighter. As you, I think maybe t too many of these teams on the other side are going to beat up on each other you know, to, to steal a playoff spot from the West. And, yeah. And maybe even it goes the other way. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, looking at some of these, I mean, even 
St. Thomas, you mentioned, right? There's a team that we haven't really talked about much, but they're a very sneaky two and one with their only loss a 14 to nothing drop to Pella. That, that was only a half, only a half of a game. Right, right. You know, so you, you don't know how that could have played it. Now, it, it could have played out maybe 28 to nothing, Pelham, right? But you don't know how that would have played out. But you're right. I mean, there's there there's that opportunity there that sort of the, the strength of the conference almost works against it a little bit. Right. Um, or the competitiveness, I should say, of the conference works against it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know, Joe. You know, <laughs> again, hard to say, like looking at some of these things that we were, we were talking about Milford a few minutes ago, they still have Bo and they still have Pelham and they still have Nashua North on their schedule. Although that's uh, which a, I don't think that one yeah, counts. That, that but, one won't count. Yeah. Right. But they still have some really good teams ahead of them. Um, you know, Sauhegan has Plymouth and Hanover and Pelham still all legitimate contenders, right? That, that they're going to have to, they're going to have to go to battle with. So you're right. It, it's kind of hard to predict you know, and you're really good at that when you put together your your too early look, you know, like some of those things. I don't know that I'd want to be doing that for Division Two right now because it, it just seems it seems like there's a lot up in the air and a, there's too much left that could happen. Yeah, I, I know. Usually this is the time you start doing that, you know, because we're I mean, technically we're a third of the way into the season. Right. You know, but but it just yeah, it does feel like there's still a lot of question marks all over the place. Uh you know, I think another place where that uh, would be the case is if you look at uh, Division Three. Um, you know, the, the, we talked earlier about Interlakes Moultonboro uh, as the team of the week. Um, you know, getting that win over Monadnock. I wanted to give you give you a couple stats from that one too, because uh, it's some some pretty good performances. And there were mentioned, you know, they held Monadnock to 143 yards, scored touchdowns on the first two drives. Um, and of course, I, I'm going to have to refer back here because I can't read my own handwriting. Um, yeah, you had uh, Braden Aruda, uh, the quarterback from Interlakes, going six of ten for 180 yards. Uh, had a touchdown pass to Wesley Bailey on their first possession to put them up, uh, and then Garrett Haywood, uh, 90, 91 yards uh, rushing on the ground, and then had the second touchdown uh, for for Interlakes, uh, which really, I mean. 17 to 3 that kind of put the or not put the game away but gave them all the points they were going to need um, yeah you know and that that kind of creates a bit of a log jam there you know of course you got your trinity and campbell at three and oh but now you got interlakes moultonboro monadnock fall mountain and and conval all at two and one um you know obviously those teams are going to be playing each other i mean fall mountain and monadnock already played um you know but you know, everybody else is going to get in the, you know, everybody plays everybody in the division. So, right. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's going to probably go down, I think, until the final week to try to figure out who's in these, uh, maybe even the last two playoff spots, but certainly the last one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some interesting stories there. Is, is, you know, I immediately kind of remembered that Conval's two in one and, and the one lost Trinity. Yeah. You know, and again, not to say that they were probably happy that it was, well, we lost to Trinity, no big deal. I mean, you want to win every game, but again, Trinity has outscored every opponent by an average of what? 52 points, maybe 50 something points and has given up zero points over three games. That's the only team that Conval's lost to. We're talking about a Conval team last year that I think they won their last game of the season and that was it, right? Yeah, they their two wins this year, I think, are more wins than they've had in a season since, like, 2017. Right. So, you know, so you've you've just the fact that Conval is obviously an improved team um, at 2-1 and one with their only loss to an elite Trinity team kind of shows that what you were saying is absolutely true, right? Like, Division Three maybe a little bit more up in the air than usual, right? Interlakes just proved that they can play with the big boys with a pretty decisive win over Monadnock. Now, you know, Monadnock might have just been sort of emotionally exhausted a little bit from the Fall Mountain <laughs> and Stevens games and the way those went, but hey, it is what it is, right? Um, so yeah, kind of a kind of a more exciting picture in Division Three this year it's shaping up to be, I think. Well, we'll, uh, we'll learn more about both of those teams this week as Monadnock uh, plays at Trinity... And then, uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Interlakes Moultonboro hosts Campbell. 
right? So yeah, like we'll we'll find out a lot about each, um, and and yeah, potential both. potential semifinal preview. Yeah, I, I, right. I think in that's terms fair. of top four, yep, that's certainly fair. Um, you know, <clears throat> Fall Mountain, Fall Mountain, and Conval play each other this week too. Yeah, which is also a big game. Again, considering both teams are two and one, and uh, and both teams have have kind of you know beaten quality opponents, but you know have that one loss to a to a um, an elite opponent, right? So yeah, good opportunity for those teams to prove who they are. And uh, got to mention too, uh, even though we don't have uh, too many details about what happened in the game, but uh, got to mention Kingswood uh, beating Kearsarge twenty three to eight. Uh, last week uh, for Kingswood, that's their first win since October of 2019. So uh, congrats to the Knights for, for getting off the schneid and uh, getting in the win column there. And, yes, uh, absolutely. Another opportunity to do that again this week with uh, with Epping Newmarket coming to town. Um, you know, So that should be another, I think, competitive game for, for those two teams and, and hopefully and, and – uh, you know, one of them, you know, Epping Newmarket's still looking for its first win, too, after they played Fall Mountain pretty close uh, last week and Conval close the week before. Right, and tough to say, you know, again, it really is a good measuring stick game for both of those teams, but particularly Kingswood, who, yeah, they're one and two after defeating Kearsarge this week, but the two losses, Trinity and Campbell. Right, right. Right, who are really have been the top of the division for the last couple of years, so... You know, again, kind of, kind of early to say um, what the deal is there, and I, I think that's a good measuring stick game for them, the Epic Newmarket game this weekend. You know, and while we're uh, while we're ta- giving out kudos there, I think we also need to mention uh, in Division Four, Franklin uh, getting a thirty-seven to nothing win over Newfound. Uh, big game from uh, Zeke McCoy had one hundred and twenty-one passing yards and a touchdown, then two rushing touchdowns. Um, couple other guys uh they er, i'm sorry combined franklin had over 200 yards rushing and then uh george uh sarkis had a pick six for the uh the golden tornadoes as they got uh just their fourth win in the last five years to go to to one and one on the season uh although yeah. uh, um big uh big test this week is they have to go to summersworth right and Summersworth, who had uh, a really decisive win over Muscoma Valley, uh, you know, this past week, 50 to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so obviously Summersworth is, is reloaded and ready to go. Yeah. Um, Summersworth's up there. Newport as well. Two wins for them. Uh, combined 95 to nothing. They've outscored opponents. Yeah. Uh, in those two games. Um, you know, Raymond also at 2-0. and getting uh they opened with a win over franklin and then got a one a nail biter against bishop brady uh, 12 to 6 so they're uh they're 2 and 0 looking to possibly go 3 and 0 at winnesquam this week yeah you know i was there for that raymond brady game uh before kickoff cuz we were rap- we we played the concord capitals in our little youth game this weekend with my sons and they were getting ready to take the field out on the on the main field there on fruit street and Concord. And, uh, you know, I, I thought about staying to watch it, but it was just, you know, we'd already been there for like three hours or whatever. Cause it was too big. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I just want to go home and watch college football. <laughs> 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 I'm just being honest with everybody. I probably could have stayed and watched some of that, but my, uh, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not in my twenties anymore, Joe, you know, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Uh, all right. Well, uh, I don't know. I think uh, you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, other than just to reiterate that I, I actually think, you know, I think this was a good week of football in New Hampshire. But, man, I think I think week four coming up, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the games. But we, we spent if you if you noticed, right, we spent a lot of time kind of talking about the significance of some of these week four matchups that are coming up in all of these divisions. Um, and I think this 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 week has the opportunity to be kind of like the week, maybe um, that we're gonna, that everybody's going to be talking about, because I think there's a lot to be determined this week. And I think we're going to find out a lot about some of these teams and really where they stand. It, there's 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 so many good matchups. I wouldn't even know where to start. And I'm not saying that to be sensationalist. Like, I really mean that there's 
there's so many really good matchups this week. It, it's, it's, you know, it's not just that the, the rivalry weeks in division one and things, it's just that these are really good, um, really good opportunities to see what some of these teams are all about. I, I agree. Yeah. I think this is going to be a fun week of, of football and uh, we're going to have uh, a whole lot to talk about next week. Yep. All right. Well, uh, I think that'll wrap us up. Uh, Mike, thanks again for doing this. Yeah, thanks, Joe. As always, it's a lot of fun. He is Mike Lockman. I'm Joe Marchalina. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy the games.